SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome to our second hour on this Tuesday on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the glorious Sports Grid Network, I am Ben Stevens, alongside Kevin Walsh for a second straight hour here of the morning after on this Tuesday. The morning after becomes the early after when Kevin is here live in studio with us because Kevin, one of the co-hosts of The Early Line each and every weekday morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern time right here on the grid alongside the man known as DRS, Donnie Wrightside, Donnie Seymour. Okay, Dubs and I are getting you set for a wonderful Tuesday slate across the sports landscape. Five, count it, one, two, three, four, five college football bowl games on this Tuesday. The most bowl games in a single day outside of New Year's Day. That is how big the slate is for college football on this Tuesday. We'll preview some of those games coming up. We'll dive back into the NFL market as well. The early lines with one of the hosts Mm. of the early line. See what I did there and look forward to the second to last week of the NFL regular season. But first, we start with some news yesterday about this college football bowl season. And some of the words that you have heard, of course, unfortunately, COVID cancellations and opt-outs. And yesterday, we got some news about the granddaddy of them all and the Ohio State Buckeyes having some opt-outs for the Rose Bowl. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, two of the star-wide receivers for Ohio State, have opted out of this bowl game. One of their stud offensive tackles as well, Nicholas petit Frere, he is out heading to the NFL draft as well. So some opt-outs on Ohio State's side. Unfortunately, obviously, opt-outs can be a bummer. You want your favorite players to play for your favorite school one last time to represent the team that got them to this point, but you can appreciate the idea of why they are opting out and focusing on their future, even, unfortunately, in the Rose Bowl. But, Kevin, because of that, we have seen some line movement in the Rose Bowl. Ohio State was a six-and-a-half-point favorite, now down to just four-and-a-half against Utah, who seems supremely motivated for the granddaddy of them all in Pasadena. Yeah, I mean, I, I, listen, Ohio State's not going to rock up to the Rose Bowl, though, and not care, right? I mean, yeah. C.J. Stroud is coming back next year, so th- it's a big uh, jumping point, obviously, for everything he's going to look to do next season. But all in all, the the story to me is less, the, at the moment, less about the specifics of the Rose Bowl or the Arizona Bowl, or the Fenway Bowl, or the Hawaii Bowl, cancellations, cancellations, and more a question about whether or not this is the year that changes college football forever. Because the bowls have become less and less and less important as the years have gone on. Now, part of that is an increase in bowls. There are so many bowls that people, you know, throw out, hey, you're excited for the Grape Bowl? And they try and trick people and be like, oh, who's playing? Clemson? Like, because the bowls, there's just, there's an oversaturation, right, to a degree. There's also no stakes on anything outside of the college 
football playoff. And there is, of course, the continued empowerment of these athletes to realize that all of the love and adoration that comes from, from being a Notre Dame football player, from Notre Dame fans, you'll never get the money back that Jalen Smith probably lost by playing in that game against Ohio State, falling to the second round and eventually never being the same football player. And I wonder, Ben, if we just start to trim down the bowls or expand the college football playoff by a way bigger margin than anybody could imagine. Might that be 12 teams? Could that be 16 teams? A couple of ideas on that. But first, a welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here on the morning after on this Tuesday. Sirius XM, Channel 159, the Mightier 1090 out on the West Coast and all of our lovely radio affiliates alongside Kevin Walsh. I am Ben Stevens. Looking at the college football bowl landscape, five games today, but some news and notes you need to know for your handicapping about CFB bowl season. Kevin just brought up ideas of how to maybe incentivize activity in bowl games. With all of the new things that we have as a part of NIL, might there be some things from these sponsors of bowl games to try to bring in the best talent to be incorporated into these bowl games as well. Might the college football playoff expansion, having 12 teams still involved, make it seem that much more important as well? And listen here, nobody's opting out of college football playoff games anytime soon. Eight teams, four teams, 12 teams, 16 teams. That would never happen. Ohio State will not show up incredibly shorthanded. They still have Jackson Smith and Jigba. They still have the number one wide receiver recruit in the country in Emeka Ekbuka, Marvin Harrison Jr. There's plenty of talent on the Buckeyes. They'll be just fine. A four and a half point favorite against Utah on New Year's Day in the granddaddy of them all. Speaking of the college football playoff, how about this from Will Anderson, the outstanding edge rusher linebacker extraordinaire for Alabama and getting ready for the CFP against Cincinnati said these words yesterday. This is Nick Saban's favorite player by far. Quote, I feel like we're the underdog in this game all year. We've been disrespected. Now, Alabama will, just so you know, a 13 and a half point favorite right now against Cincinnati for the CFP semifinal in the Cotton Bowl, but yet an underdog, Kevin. I don't know if Will Anderson knows his betting lines too well. I don't know if Will Anderson knows anything. I don't know if Will Anderson understands any basic concepts in the history of sport if he truly believes that. Listen, I get it. Self-motivation, yada, 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 yada. The underdog thing, it's hyperbole. Let's remove that. Bama's been disrespected all year? Oh, that happened when? Where? SEC? To who? Title game? And? They won by what? <laughs> they it was half. They're like, yeah, they could blow this lead, and they're still getting in. Nonsense. Nick Saban's favorite player, Will Anderson. More college football on the other side of the break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. An absolutely wonderful day in sports. Mainly my favorite sport. Five college football bowl games on this Tuesday. It starts in a just over an hour and a half in the Birmingham Bowl between Auburn and number 20, Houston. So many bowl games where you're going all the way until 10.30 p.m. Eastern time tonight. Five, all in one day 
on this Tuesday, a great time in college football. So here on the morning after on Sports Grid Sirius XM Channel 159, we break down some of these matchups for a glorious Tuesday in the college football bowl landscape, one of the most wonderful times of the year. It's Ben Stevens and Kevin Walsh here with you. Two big college football guys getting you set for this big Tuesday slate. Kevin, let's start with one of the first games of the day. Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South will join us later on in hour number three. He'll focus on two of the games that feature an SEC team today. We'll hit the other three. So let's start with the first responders bowl between Air Force and Louisville. Right now, the cards, a slight one and a half point favorite. The over under is at 54 and a half. Now, as I say that, the line has gotten closer and closer. And oftentimes, line movement in college football is a strong indication of the side that might prevail because now it's a pick'em game where Louisville is just a slight favorite on the money line, minus 114, eight cents steeper than the minus 106 price on Air Force. How do you look at the first responders bowl? So I, I have to say, I, I think when, you know, one thing I appreciate about being in the bowl season as well is every game is kind of a big game. And what I mean by that is your typical Saturday in October, right? You, you have maybe five, six games with player props, right? But bowl season so much bigger, right? Like you've got player props listed at 10 a.m., right? For this game specifically. And the Malik Cunningham numbers are always going to jump out. They hilariously just locked his rushing prop, which is uh, 65 and a half. And they're locking numbers left and right here as they're very, very worried. I'm going to give out the secret <laughs> sauce. So let's see if we can do this before they can seal the deal. The Cunningham over one and a half passing touchdowns number is quite interesting to me. So if you look at Malik's last three games from the regular season, right? He didn't throw a touchdown in a loss against Kentucky. SEC high caliber defense. But the two before that, five passing touchdowns against Duke. And I think most importantly, a Syracuse defense oh. that held its own. For, uh, sorry. Oh, okay. But, uh, but that, sorry. that was nice. That was nice. Thank you. Sorry. But <laughs> a Syracuse defense that held its own, I felt like, for a lot of the season through four passing touchdowns against them. Over one and a half passing touchdowns for Malik Cunningham, an explosive player who, again, right, the RPOs even on the goal line, like one-yard passing touchdowns for Malik Cunningham can absolutely come and it not be much of a surprise there. Does grab my attention because I think, Ben, and you can tell, you can push back on this if you think I'm off base here, I feel like we have seen during bowl season when the games kind of snap, they just get off of the rails yep. here. And if this game's high scoring, both teams into the 30s, whatever it might be, 54 and a half is your total. That's not outlandish. If the Louisville Cardinals are going to score five touchdowns, I'll take my chance at minus 122. Two of those are from Malik Cunningham's arm. Now, this is the highest total of the year on paper booked for Air Force. But the idea around Air Force, because they are a service academy that runs the triple option, is a slower-paced game. Air Force played three straight overs to end the year. Louisville over in three of their last four games. Now, Air Force does have a very good defense, top five in total defense. And yes, they run the ball 87% of their plays, making them the top rushing offense in the country at more than 338 yards on the ground. And Louisville's not great defensively. Bottom half in the country in both total defense and rushing defense, they give up 163 and a half yards per game rushing to the opposing offense. But to me, that leads to points because if Air Force can score and run the football down Louisville's throat, like I expect them to be able to have some success in doing, 
then that also opens things up offensively for Louisville. Malik Cunningham and Scott Satterfield, which is where they make their bacon. So I agree with Kevin. Malik Cunningham is going to be a name to know. So far this year, as a favorite Louisville in six games, three and three ATS, lost two of those three outright. I think the idea of Air Force being a plucky underdog, only a dog once this year, and an outright winner against Boise State is why we have seen this line start to move I look at Air Force's team total of 26 and a half it might be one of my best bets for these five games that we have on this college football bowl season day so I would look for Air Force to score but that also leads to Louisville points as well and to Kevin's points so far 16 bowl games in this young bowl season 11 of the 16 over a very strong trend where points have been a plenty so far throughout this bowl season one final thing College football props are a relatively new idea. And Kevin's right. Normally on a Saturday, just the marquee games get props. So Michigan, Ohio State, games in the ACC, Mm -hmm. an SEC game between Alabama and Georgia, whatever it might be. All of these games, for the most part, have props. Thus, you might be able to have some better edges than side in total, especially on this public of a day when there are five bowl games that people will want to dive into. So let's continue going through the board. Another game I want to focus on, one of the great traditions in bowl season, the Holiday Bowl in San Diego, and a great matchup here. Number 18, NC State, a slight two-point favorite right now over a team from the Pac-12 in the UCLA Bruins. The over-under stands now at 60, up by a hook from this morning when it was 59 and a half. Kevin, both of these teams, pretty good throughout mm-hmm. this season. A 9-3 NC State team, an 8-4 UCLA team should be a wonderful matchup tonight in San Diego. Look, Chip Kelly, it's a big one for him, is it not? Right at UCLA, I think this, this program needed something. He's given them that shot in the arm. And I know... Uh, Oregon tried to make the phone call there. I I think Chip wants to continue and try and and build on everything. This is one of the little caveats of bowl season that always is a a little reminder to me, and and it happens a couple times throughout bowl season. I see, all right, NC State, UCLA, neutral site. Let's figure out what's what here. The game, as Ben said, San Diego, California. So is it a pure home game for UCLA? No. Is it an advantage, though, Ben? I I would say yes. Probably. Yes, it is. And I understand your and, – and let me ask you this as well, too. Do you think it matters at all that NC State is 18? Like, in no. terms of a ranking at this rate in the season? Like, I don't even know why the College Football Playoff Committee bothers giving you anything <laughs> past 12, much less 23. Yeah. But I, I think, again, where we, we are at this point in the season, that location could matter. To double-talk myself, though, and give you both sides of the coin – People I know also will argue, especially around this time of the year, NC State, business trip, buttoned up, ready to go, UCLA, staying home, Christmas, on the couch, with the family, maybe a little less focused. I think motivation also, as it should be for all of your bowl handicapping, does play in here because it seems, at least right now, both UCLA and NC State will have their stars out on display in San Diego. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, of course, the very talented, dual-threat, do-everything quarterback for Chip Kelly's offense. Devin Leary on the other side for NC State. UCLA, top 10 rushing offense in the country, 219.7 rushing yards per game. NC State, a top 25 rushing defense. I still look at that total at 60. NC State end the year with three straight overs. UCLA, an under in the regular season finale, 
but four straight overs prior to that. And in that regular season finale, the Bruins still posted 42 points. The last bowl game we'll discuss here, the last bowl game of this five-game slate, the first Big Ten team in the fold. Minnesota taking on West Virginia. The Gophers, a five-point favorite tonight in the guaranteed rate bowl against the Mountaineers of West Virginia. And stare at that total. Bask in its glory. The lowest total so far of this bowl season in over under a 45. Why? Because it's Big Ten football, baby. Why are they making these two teams play at 10 o'clock? I don't know. Like, I don't understand that at all. Like, the, it, the game isn't even, like, in the heart of Los Angeles. Like, it's in Arizona. I don't understand poor minnesota people poor west virginians like that's just that's not how you draw it up i want to make this quick point though because we've talked a lot of player props here this is so far the only game with any time touchdown scorer markets here right kai thomas is a minus 165 it's college football two touchdowns for kai thomas four to one tony mathis jr eight to one it's college football. They love that stuff. Minnesota runs the football a lot. The highest rushing play percentage outside of the service academies. Back to the NFL up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Right back here on the morning after on Sports Grid Sirius XM, channel 159, all across the Sports Grid Network. I'm Ben Stevens alongside Kevin Walsh, live in studio on Turtleneck Tuesday for some very handsome button up shirt for another. <laughs> that is what old K Dubs and I are doing here on this Tuesday. And what we are going to do right now is break down the NFL MVP marketplace because if you haven't checked in a couple of weeks, there's a strong odds on favorite right now, and he wears number 12. For the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay, Wisconsin. The guy that also won it last year, Aaron Rodgers. And Kevin, right now, Aaron is minus 175 to win the MVP for a second straight season. So I'll ask this very bluntly. Do you think the award is over and done? Do you think Aaron Rodgers has won the NFL MVP? I would be very surprised if he doesn't win it. But it's not over. Like, the odds shouldn't be removed from the board. Right, we joke about you know they're hanging. Hey, you want Pat? You want Pats to be the one seed still? Like that's not happening. That I I always I I genuinely find that always very funny from a sports book. I would do that all the time. Like one of my favorite <laughs> things the FanDuel sports book does is they always hang Taco Fall to an MVP, always. And I would do it all year long. Like if the race is down to Steph Durant, like and then I'd hang Taco Fall as a third choice. Right? I don't think they're hanging you Taco Falls here. Okay. Here's though. What I think is now more important than Rodgers is really asking yourself who can catch him, the why they can catch him, mm -hmm. what's the avenue. I believe there's only one guy. I really believe that. And I don't think it's Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. and it's not a running back. Mm -hmm. It's not a wide receiver. Uh -huh. Certainly not a defensive end. It's Patrick Mahomes. Oh. And here's why I think it's Patrick Mahomes. Because Rodgers' claim to this award isn't the most yards or the most touchdowns, it's one thing. It's the best record in the NFL mm. and also the best record in the conference. If Aaron Rodgers does lose this week to the Minnesota Vikings 
And on the other side of the coin, Patrick Mahomes in a potential shootout against the Cincinnati Bengals gives you 350 and three. Mahomes can re enter this race. I don't know, Ben, how Brady gets there finishing two games worse. Jonathan Taylor as a wild card team. Josh Allen finishing as the fourth seed in the AFC. Mahomes, to me, is the only guy with an avenue to catch Rodgers. And let's break down Patrick Mahomes' number this year. Of course, it was a slow start at times where Pat was doing things we haven't seen, really, in his entire NFL career, turning the ball over. He has 13 interceptions to Aaron Rodgers' four interceptions. Aaron Rodgers, in fact, has the least amount of picks thrown this year but they have the same exact touchdown mark heading into week number 17 both have thrown 33 touchdowns Patrick Mahomes ranks fifth in passing yards Aaron Rodgers ranks 10th only 3,689 passing yards so far for Aaron Rodgers now Aaron Rodgers does have the highest passer rating in the league at north of 110 but when you're looking at this year compared to last year and it's interesting we're entering week 17 that was the regular season as we have known it for most of our lifetime in the NFL. And that was the case last year, certainly in 2020. Last year in 16 regular season games in a 17-week season, Aaron Rodgers, 4,299 yards, 48 touchdowns to only five interceptions. And that was an MVP year. But Kevin brought up a great point. The Green Bay Packers have the best record in the league. They are the number one seed in the NFC at minus 700 and they certainly seem like the playoffs in that conference will run through the frozen tundra in Lambeau Field. Now, Kevin and I were hosting Christmas Day in-game live together right here on the grid from 4 to 8 p.m. Eastern this past Saturday. And we were discussing a couple of props surrounding Aaron Rodgers and how great he has been for the Packers on this four-game winning streak. Winners of five of their last six when the offense has certainly ticked up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And Aaron Rodgers was plus 140 entering the weekend still the favorite to win the nfl mvp but plus 140 as compared to tom brady around that plus 175 price so plus 140 entering the weekend and then against the browns 24 of 34 202 yards three touchdown passes passing brett Favre for the most passing touchdowns in green bay packers history so a nice moment there on christmas day with all the magic inside lambeau field it wasn't the most prolific of performances for number 12 in green but it was a good day nonetheless and enough kevin to make a minus 175 and i it begs the question could he have put this out of reach if he just kept firing in that game mm. now people will say ah oh, that's unnecessary they probably should have lost that game yeah despite baker throwing four picks that was pass interference on Rasul Douglas on that final interception of the game. It was, you know it was, even if you're a Packer fan, they can't go back and restart the game just because you admitted it. Admit it. It was pass interference. Balls at the 40, yeah. another Nick Chubb carry and a spike, and it's a field goal. Now, don't know if it goes in, guy missed an extra point, cost over 46 and a half, yep. should be kicked out of the league, yep. put the extra point back to where it was, but you already <laughs> knew that. I, I wonder about then, based on what we saw from Rodgers in that second half, and kind of what we've seen from Rodgers all year. And again, it's why he could still be a little vulnerable in this all. Is Rodgers right now is at 33 touchdowns. If Rodgers finishes with 36 touchdowns, right? Three over the last two weeks. And Tom does finish with 42. Or Mahomes somehow gets to 
40 touchdown passes, right? Can they then make that argument? Again, the reason I think I think it's Mahomes is because the things that you're going to line up mm. to say it's Rodgers' award, right? Mahomes will have a very fair chance to match all of those, right? Have better numbers. The difference maker really might be nine interceptions. And I think both teams right now, at least we would anticipate because of the only seed getting a bye and home field advantage in the playoffs is that number one overall seed and both the Green Bay Packers and the Chiefs as of right now would be those number one seeds. You'll see both quarterbacks most likely through these next two weeks, but Aaron Rodgers plays the Detroit Lions to end it. Maybe they take it off a little bit while Patrick Mahomes still in contention against the Bengals this weekend. And then I believe ending with the Denver Broncos, if I'm not mistaken there as well. So Pat, 10 to 1. Josh Allen also 10 to 1. Josh Allen was a pretty short favorite for most of the year at plus 230. And let's give the credit right now to our man JT. Out of Wisconsin, the Badgers' second year running back now for the Indianapolis Colts, tied for the second shortest odds to win the NFL MVP at plus 700 with Tom Brady. Josh Allen there at 10 to 1, tied for fourth. I agree with Kevin's assessment. If it's not going to be Aaron Rodgers, I think Patrick Mahomes does have the best shot of doing so just based on the fact that nobody statistically is blowing the other away. It comes down to how you correlate the markets. So again, correlate the markets to the AFC championship, the number one overall seed in the AFC. And one final point I want to make here, Kev, about mm -hmm. when you look at Jonathan Taylor, plus 700 tied for the second shortest odds, you could also look at the AP Offensive Player of the Year yeah. market and Cooper Cup right now, now favorite at minus 110, JT only five cents behind at minus 105. So here's my question for you. Yeah is running back markedly more important than wide receiver in your opinion Ooh, that's a great question i ooh, that's a really good question i would mm, you stumped me right there i think yeah. based on these guys yes based on what we're seeing because of what jonathan taylor adds to this colts offense yes Matthew Stafford and the connection with Cooper Cup, as we love to call him, and what Cooper is doing and setting NFL records pretty much on a weekly basis right now is rather historic. Would the Rams' offense be all right if Cooper was having a mediocre season? I still think so. If Jonathan Taylor was not great, I think the Colts would be having a much tougher time. I, I don't think it is. I think wide receivers are more important. You want to know why? How'd Alexander Madison do every time he's ever had to step in for Dalvin Cook? Usually pretty fine, right? Yeah. Now, look, some of these guys are amazing. Derrick Henry has been proven to be irreplaceable, right? But, look, if I put Marlon Mack in the Colts' backfield, is he as good as Jonathan Taylor? No, no but I can get a lot out of him. You ever see Devontae Adams get have his production replaced by Alan Lazard? No. Cooper Cup and the wide receivers to me in general. I think are a, is a more valuable posi position than running backs. Here's why I bring that up. It's not Offensive Player of the Year. This award is going to, again, be entirely dictated just by gaudy numbers, which I actually think Cup has the advantage. Yeah. He's having a top-five wide receiver season in the history of the sport. Taylor's not having a top-five running back season in the history of the sport. Why, though, is it? Again, Taylor's like shortcomings is, oh, he's not a quarterback. It's the same for Cup. Why is running back priced? as a markedly more important position than wide receiver. That doesn't line up, and it's a good reminder at just how much narratives dictate 
awards. Taylor 7-1, not because he deserves to be, but because everybody keeps talking about Jonathan Taylor. Throw Cooper Cup on another Sunday night game. Let Al Michaels list off his numbers and watch that number get cut in half. You're not wrong. And Cooper Cup right now are, is doing historic things. 11 straight games with 90 or more receiving it's yards. Ridiculous. 14 games out of 16 so far. Excuse me, out of 15 so far in this regular season. I mean, Cooper Cup is really just going crazy right now with some of his numbers. As compared to Jonathan Taylor, who was also on a great stretch, both of these guys, as you look at the prop market on a weekly basis, they can't make the numbers big enough in the prop market. And one final point here, Kev, that we want to bring up about how this MVP market lays out this weekend. Of course, both Kansas City and Green Bay, still in the hunt for those number one overall seeds, will both be favorites this weekend. Aaron Rodgers is in prime time against the divisional foe mm -hmm. at Lambeau Field. A six-and-a-half-point favorite are the Packers against the Vikings on Sunday night. If Aaron Rodgers puts on a spectacular performance and the Packers cover and wallop the Vikings and Aaron throws for another three or four touchdowns, probably at least multiple of them to Devontae Adams, that minus 175 might be minus 250 come Monday morning. The early lines with Kevin Walsh up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on SportsGrid. A wonderful Sports Tuesday for you here on Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network. A wonderful Tuesday on the morning after because TMA becomes TEA. That stands for the early after. It's Ben Stevens and Kevin Walsh live with you here in studio. Kev, one of the co-hosts of The Early Line, each and every weekday morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern time, leading into us here on the morning after. He hosts The Early Line. Guess what we're going to do right now? Take a look at the early lines of week 17 in the NFL. I know it's not just the turtleneck, but I'm feeling good today. All right, here we go. We're going to look at some of the best matchups that we have on the docket. No Thursday night football games anymore. Most of the action we will see on Sunday. A tremendous full Sunday slate where still a lot needs to be decided in terms of playoff berths, especially in the AFC in playoff positioning in the NFC. A great matchup in Dallas on Sunday. The Cowboys, a five-point favorite against the Arizona Cardinals. The over-under stands at 50 in a hook. The highest total of the entire Week 17 slate. The Cardinals on a three-game losing skid. Kev, Dallas still, yeah. at least as of right now, alive for a potential number one overall seed in the NFC. They certainly are. Now, when... You get these early lines, right? You talk it out, go through your process, right? And respect early week movement, certainly, right? So that 50 and a half number is now up to 51. Oh. And I feel like I'm missing something here. Ben, I ask you this, the Arizona Cardinals' current issues, more offense or defense? Offense. Certainly I, offense. I, I think, like, pretty definitively it's yeah. their offense. They scored 12 points against the Lions and 16 against the Indianapolis Colts. I know Dallas put 56 up on 
the Washington football team, it was an avalanche game, right? The faucet broke, and you try to fix the left faucet by somehow turning on the right right faucet, and there was water everywhere. You a plumber? Mm, I could be. Huh. Now, who? <laughs> Anyway, um, that could have gone left, but instead we'll get right back on track here. The Dallas Cowboys offense was not necessarily going wild here leading up to this game. The total feels too high. This feels like a game where the Cowboys could win it 24-17. There's no surprise. Is the only thing I'm trying to get a sense of is is 51 mean that they believe the Arizona Cardinals offense shows up to the dance? Because again, I haven't really seen anything from Arizona that suggests that's the case. Yeah. And I think often when you see lofty totals, right? There's an expectation that if one team is a high scoring offense and going to put up a boatload of points to stay competitive in the Cardinals right now, a five point underdog, they're gonna have to keep up with the scoring trend as well. I don't look at this game like that. I don't think Dallas needs to score 35 points to win. Dallas could win this football game 24-17 and still cover that number because when you look at the trends right now, Arizona under in two straight. Of course, as Kevin mentioned, the Cowboys over in their last game. They went over by themselves, scoring 56 points, but three straight under prior to that. And Dallas is on a four-game winning streak covering in all four of those games. So 51 does seem a little bit high and we have seen totals start to trickle down a little bit here now ending out the regular season it wasn't too long ago you would see totals at 55 and a half 56 and a half in fact for a game between the dallas cowboys and the kansas city chiefs that went way under about a month month and a half ago so from a trend perspective this game also fascinating dallas owns the best ats record in all of the nfl 12 and 3 ats like i said winners of four straight covering in four straight arizona have lost three in a row no covers in that span but as an underdog and on the road Kevin Walsh Arizona very good this year a perfect 5-0 ATS as an underdog covering by a ridiculous margin of near 22 points per game the reason why they have won outright in all five of those games as a dog this year and on the road seven and one straight up seven and one against the number the only loss in both categories of course as a 12 and a half point favorite outright to the detroit lions two sundays back look the here's the problem with that though right yeah remember the last road game it was against detroit right so like that's where i'm struggling. like i i now don't care about all that other road stuff mm. because it, it it blew up against the detroit lions it, it takes a lot of confidence for me to come and bet Arizona. Now, let me throw another angle for you here on an early line segment because I love, I love doing the early line stuff, right? It's not just side and total. Futures market, though, right? Mm. Last week, I viewed Bills-Patriots as a eliminator game. So Raiders-Broncos is an eliminator game at its heart. Denver loses. How can you get to the playoffs, right? Boom, you're done. Move them to the side, right? Bills-Patriots, I felt like it was an eliminator game in a very different way. The loser of that game... I don't know why people are holding conference or Super Bowl tickets on the loser of that game. New England Patriots, Mac Jones, who shouldn't win Offensive Rookie of the Year. You can get into that whenever you want. <laughs> I think this game has some similarities, right? If you're Arizona and lose again, almost guaranteed then to be the fifth seed in the NFC, go on the road in round number one. You probably won't play anybody, by the way, week 18 against Seattle, mm. so the game will be meaningless and... Kyler Murray will enter the postseason in a four-game losing streak on the road, a dog 
and probably get bounced right away, right. and the Cardinals' season will end there. If you're Dallas, and you lose this game, and the Dallas Cowboys lose to the Arizona Cardinals, who, who can't get anything right, and, and I go through this Dallas resume, right? And I, and I ask myself, Dak Prescott beat the New England Patriots in overtime in a shootout with Mac Jones week six, and since then has done what? Nothing, honestly. This is what I mean about an eliminator game. I won't be holding any kind of future tickets on the loser of Cowboys Cardinals. And when you look at Dallas, as we discussed earlier, plus 650 right now to be the number one overall seed in the NFC. Green Bay minus 700, a staunch favorite. Certainly so. Green Bay favored by near a touchdown on Sunday night against the Minnesota Vikings. But if Dallas can win this game against two playoff teams because the Cardinals have already clinched a berth as well, and then Dallas ends the year on the road in Philly, which might be a very important game for the Eagles, but also the Cowboys in contention for that number one overall seed, maybe plus 650 has a little bit of value for you. And that was a great way of doing it last week because we saw two numbers on the Buffalo Bills who were plus 130 entering last weekend against the Pats to win the AFC East. Now they're minus 800, and that plus 130 was a better price than the money line value even on Buffalo by the time we got to kick. We saw the same thing in the AFC North. The Cincinnati Bengals plus 135 as the favorites entering the weekend, but with the win over Baltimore, now minus 240. So there are ways to look at these games, even from a favorite perspective, and find pretty juicy plus money prices. That's what we have for the Cowboys and the Cardinals. Cowboys have won four straight. Cardinals have lost three straight. Something's got to give on Sunday at the start. Going through the NFC with also a cross-conference game here, and a big one, the LA Rams on the road yeah. in Baltimore, laying three and a half points against the Ravens. The over-under total is at 46 and a half. I think the biggest question about this game, Kevin, and we've already seen a point-of-line movement in L.A.'s favor, is who is going to be starting at quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens? Until we know that, I don't really know how we find the value even on the early line. So this is the trick, right? That line, now they're not always right about this. I, I will always reference this game for the rest of my life. Browns, Raiders. Mm. The sports book said, we got these slips here. Half of the Browns are getting activated, including a quarterback of either Keenum or Baker. And they hung him at minus three. Nobody got activated, and the line flipped six points in 30 minutes, and they were absolutely wrong. However, more often than not, the sports books can give you a good indication of health. That line, for me, screams Lamar Jackson yep. won't be playing this week. Screams it. Because I have to be honest with you, if Lamar Jackson plays this week, pick, how is it not pick him? You have to have a little bit of respect here for Lamar Baltimore being at home and everything that comes with the hard Lamar Jackson one-two punch West Coast team traveling for a big-time East Coast game there. The fact that the Rams' last two games are certainly nothing to be writing home about. That's really the problem, though, that I'm having is how are they so sure Lamar isn't making this jump, right? Like, there were some conversations around Lamar being able to play last week here. Like, Ben, it's not fair to ask you this, but you don't have to give a right answer. Do you think Lamar plays this weekend? Well, I think I can give a pretty decent answer, at least. Dr. David Chow was on our show yesterday, and he said, like he said last Monday and correctly predicted it, he hates to be wrong, but he doesn't expect Lamar Jackson to play because... A bone bruise is different than an ankle sprain in your ankle. An ankle sprain you can work through. You can try to get active and be out there, and there are more coping mechanisms. The recovery process for a bone bruise is just rest. 
You can't really do much on it. So he doesn't feel that based on what he has seen and heard that Lamar Jackson will be out there. And I agree, Kev. I think that three and a half points past the key number three, the hook in the favor of LA, is an indication Lamar's probably not playing in this game. If he does, we're going to get close to a pick him. And thus, maybe the three and a half points on the Ravens is good. But if he doesn't and it's confirmed, we're going to see this line move even more in LA's favor, in my mind, because we're not even sure Tyler Huntley will be available off the COVID-19 list for this game. And that would be a huge step up from Josh Johnson, who is doing what he can, but there's a certain limitation there. I just want to say, the Rams have won four straight, covered in four straight. Now the favorites to win the NFC West at minus 290. Still very much in contention to trying to hold down that division. Baltimore, even as an underdog this year, 4-1 and ATS, the only time they did not cover last week against the Cincinnati Bengals. There are only nine teams right now, Kev, in all of the 32 NFL organizations that have played more than 50% overs. The Rams, 8 of 15 this year to an over, three of their last five games hitting an over. Baltimore, an over and three straight, all over this number as well. The total has ticked up to 46 and a half. Maybe that's the best area to look early in the week. So the other thing is Lamar doesn't play safety or right. cornerback, despite what some outdated general managers would like him to do as he <laughs> entered into the NFL. I used that line twice this week. I thought you got to kick out of that. Yeah, yeah. So my thing is, right, Joe Burrow throws her 525, and the Ravens entered that game allowing the most passing yards in the NFL. So obviously it's not going to get any better when you allow someone to put 500 on your head. Matt Stafford, you know what? So let me make... Whether Lamar plays or not, mm. you should love the Ravens team total. I mean, the Rams, excuse me, team total. You should love the Rams team total. Do you trust Stafford? That's the question. Because if you don't, here's the unfortunate thing for the Los Angeles Rams. Matthew Stafford is much better, markedly better than Jared Goff. But if you don't bet the Rams team total this week, Rams to win the NFC, Rams to win the Super Bowl, because you say... I don't trust Stafford. It's the same thing as Goff. Because you didn't do that stuff because you didn't trust Goff. And that's what they tried to avoid by bringing in Stafford. Stafford needs a big game here against Baltimore. I would agree with that. And it's a great opportunity to do so because of how decimated that secondary is for the Ravens. Matthew Stafford last week, only 197 yards. 109 of those went to Cooper Cup. Again, look out for the prop number. It's going to seem lofty. It's probably going to break the century mark, oh, but yeah. it might not be big enough. One final game to touch on. Only one team in the AFC has clinched a playoff berth. That would be the Kansas City Chiefs in a huge game this week on the road in Cincinnati. A five and a half point favorite. Quickly here, Kev, a 30 second thought. Total is totally noodles to me. I don't know what's happening there. 49 and a half. Like you want to talk about trap numbers. They're telling you that not only are the Chiefs this good, that their defense is going to keep Joe Burrow completely in check if you're willing to make a statement here you're getting the Bengals at home against the Chiefs under a 24 and a half team total just kind of doing some math there that feels like some very legitimate value in general that over 49 and a half feels a couple of points like yeah I would agree with that as well Casey is one eight straight covered in six in a row as well we head to the break more of the morning after up next sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com two hours with Kevin Walsh about to come to a close here on the morning after on Sports Grid. Very, very bittersweet. Not even 
really all that sweet. We do have an extra hour for you, and that will be great. We'll break things down. It's going to be a ton of fun in happy hour, but I'll just miss Kevin Walsh. Alongside me, Ben Stevens, live in here in this studio on this Tuesday on the morning after. Sports Grid and Sirius XM, Channel 159. But before Kevin goes, we ask him one final question. We've talked a lot of individual races in the NFL. MVP, we've talked Offensive Rookie of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year. One final market to hit on, Coach of the Year. Let's do that in Buy or Sell. So he does not have the glory that he once did. And he, in this situation, is Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. He was once the favorite to win this award. The preseason favorite, in fact, at plus 1,200. Right now, he is 50 to 1. But that 50 to 1 price is cut in half of where Nick Sirianni, another first-year head coach, is for the Philadelphia Eagles at 100 to 1. So, Kevin, buy or sell that Brandon Staley should be half the price as Nick Sirianni to win the NFL Coach of the Year award. You know what's beautiful? You know what's absolutely beautiful? When the FanDuel Sportsbook says, we'll answer that for you. Ben, why don't you go refresh those odds? Oh, please. Nick Sirianni, 50 to 1. Oh! And now the same number as Brandon Staley. Now just move Brandon Staley back to 100 to 1. We're off the board and we're all good. Let me tell you something quickly about this uh, race, though. Here. DRS cautioned the Belichick betters. Everything was great, right? But the expectations changed. They needed to win a division. They lost the division. He's now 8 to 1. Zach Taylor could lose this week, which maybe makes things difficult on him. Then it could be LaFleur versus Reich. How is Matt LaFleur winning this award when we watched him coach a game without Aaron Rodgers? Frank Reich at plus 350 makes a world of sense to me. There you go. That's how you end it. Buy or sell. Brandon Staley, Nick Sirianna should have the same price. No, oh, the answer's not. I mean, you know, stop. Nick Sirianna's way better than Brandon Staley. Everyone knows that. All right. Happy hour up next. Okay, Dubs. We'll see you here in just a couple moments. Dispensing little pearls of sports strategy wisdom like gumballs from the machine where your dad used to take you for a haircut when you were a kid. <laughs> oh. 